Over the many months of recording Tapping Creativity and all of the guests that we've had on the show, my editor began to see certain themes that would come up in, in different episodes with different guests. And he asked if he could put together compilations of insights from different artists on particular topics. And this is one of those episodes. One of these topics was on healing creative wounds. And over the period of time of recording this, quite a few people have brought that up in different ways, whether it was uh, Hallie, whether it was Iman, Rhea, or Brooke. If you are like what you hear also and you miss any of their episodes, you can go back and get a little taste of those. But in this, we're going to jump right into uh, healing creative wounds and really what that means for different people, different artists, and even what is a creative wound. You know, what is that to you? What is it to me? What is it to the different guests? And we all carry these in different ways. Some of the wounding that we carry from our lives will show up in our work. And sometimes the work actually in turn brings different wounds. It's painful at times to put yourself out there to expose what is delicate on the inside and show it to the world. When it's received well, it's still vulnerable and scary. When it's received poorly, it can be devastating. But yet, of course, as artists and creatives, we have to get back up again. We have to keep going. We don't get to just quit. So even with those pain, even with those wounds, those wounds must become our gifts. The pain has to become part of our strength, part of our beauty, part of our burning away our shells, burning away our being sometimes, and then rising again from the ashes like the phoenix. And so with that, we're going to hop right into today's episode. Welcome to Tapping Creativity on healing creative wounds with myself, Brooke, Rhea, Amon, and Haley. Enjoy today's show. You have this idea that we have these creative wounds, and I'm really kind of curious how those are unique or different from any other wounds that people are carrying, or, mm -hmm. or are they different? As I'm working with more people, I'm starting to see like there's a, a slight distinction between right creative wounds that I think right wounded our ability to create things, and then there's also like wounds and trauma that we experience that sometimes we want to write through, like to use writing to heal those other things that happen, and those like those different types of wounds kind of interact right in interesting ways. And so one thing that I see and that I work with folks on, right, is this idea of creative wounds. And I first got like the glimmer of this idea reading The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron like 10 or 11 years ago. And she talks about this idea of creative monsters, right, that we all have like someone who has kind of been like this monster. And so I feel like I've sort of been practicing taking that even deeper of like, like what are the wounds underneath, right? And so I think we all have had, every single person has had the experience of making something and it wasn't received the way you hoped it would be. Right. And so it's not always like criticism because sometimes it's silence, 
right? It's like you make this beautiful thing and like no one even reacts. Like I think a lot of us have had that experience, especially if you're kind of, if you're like actively making stuff as an adult, it's sort of right. Like you send it out and then like nothing and nobody cares right. and nobody yeah. cares or yeah, or nobody wants to take a chance on it or whatever it is. Right. So, so sometimes, um, sometimes it's criticism. Sometimes it's silence or just like people just like moving on or sometimes, right. I was thinking about this too. Like, and it's not always, I think an artistic project, right. Sometimes as an adult, it's even like a work presentation or an idea, right. I had an experience one time, um, early in my career, I was working in a nonprofit and I like gave an idea in a meeting and like an older person, like restated my idea. And then everyone's like, that's a great idea. Right. So like when someone kind of like, you know, takes your idea in a meeting, like, I feel like that's also a creative wound, right? It's like you had this idea and somebody else kind of stepped all over it or, or laughed at it or whatever it might be. And I think that, right. We start building these like defense mechanisms, defense mechanisms against being hurt in the same way again. Right. And so there are parts of us that are like seven years old and your classmates like laughing at this picture that you drew. And then there are parts of us that are, you know, 27 or 47. Right. And had an experience where, you know, someone made fun of you or again, there was silence or whatever it might be. And it's sort of right. There's just these layers that build up that try to defend you. And then it's harder to access the creativity that's underneath. Got it. So that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to in some way or another. What does the process of healing those wounds look like? Practice failure, practice loss, and not get caught up in, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. This is not working out. I'm a failure. However, giving yourself the permission to feel those things. I was like, I was feeling the joy of what that contract and the amount of that contract was. I felt the joy of that, getting testing for that and all of these things. I was like, now that I didn't get it, don't suppress it. Don't get down on yourself. Just feel, create the space and feel through it. Feel the, feel the loss as much as you felt the joy. Feel it through. Stay equanimous. Stay equanimous to that experience as well. But you don't have to identify with it, but feel it. Literally, we start with like a five minute timer and just like a list, like a brainstorm list of like, what are all the times you remember like making stuff and it wasn't received well, right? And we often do this in like a small group and it can be really helpful to hear like the patterns of like, oh, like... I really admire that person's writing and they had the same, right? Their English teacher told them too, right? That they weren't a good enough writer or whatever it is. Um, so I find that people hearing that reflection in a small group can also be really supportive of like, oh, it's not just me. It's not like I'm fatally flawed. Um, other people have had these experiences too. And then one thing that we do is sort of like choose one, anyone. It could be like, the hardest moment or not, it could be any moment. And you just sort of imagine sitting with that version of yourself, whether it was like last week or 20 years ago. And you just sort of say like, Hey, that wasn't okay. Like it wasn't okay for, for them to treat you that way. Or it wasn't okay for them to say this, like, how are you feeling? And maybe like, almost like let that younger part of you be like, ah, like, I hated that. They're so mean, right? Like whatever it is, just sort of like, let them have their, their moment. And then just sort of like, depending again on how old the part of you is, like, I sometimes have people like sit them almost like in your lap, like you can imagine and just be like, it's okay. Like you're safe now. I'm going to take care of you. Right. And just sort of like having some of that like soothing, it's really powerful. And it's so interesting too, because practicing being that kind 
to another version of ourselves helps us practice being kind to like the current version of yourself that's trying to make something. It's really hard to make things. Yeah. I think the more compassion we can have, right, the more supportive it is. When you sit down to write or create in any way and you start to feel that, it becomes actually this, a spotlight on the on everything else. It's a, it's a representation in some ways. It's just a, a one place where the way that you may feel about yourself, challenges that you have, that type of thing, is actually just kind of brought out into the open. Right. Yeah. So in some ways it's better. You know what? This hurts too much. As soon as I sit down, you know, in that first thing, like my first sentence sucks. So why am I going to write another sentence? You know, no one's going to care. Or I finally get through and I hand it out and I, and I was right. Nobody cares. Literally nobody cares, you know? So if you can fall in love with doing it, then it's a complete victory no matter what happens oh. afterwards. A hundred percent. If you were chasing lists and awards and accolades and these like little benchmarks of success, you're going to be so disappointed because they come and go and then you're going to constantly raise that bar and it's never going to be enough. There's no amount of books you can sell that's enough. There's no amount of lists that you can hit that's enough. So if you're not in love with the craft, which I have to say, though, speaks more fiction writers, nonfiction, which is the bread and butter of our business. These people aren't writers. They are CEOs, executives, lifestyle experts, people who have stories to tell, who want a book to really encapsulate whatever it is they're doing to help, you know, promote their brand or business. So they aren't often as emotionally attached to the success of this like one thing. It just fits into their arsenal of other products. But for fiction, you can be so emotional about that and just be like, this book has to do so well or else I'm a huge failure. And I think what you said is is absolutely right. Like you you have to enjoy the journey. Like, Don't get stopped up with the the fear. You this will be scary, and you will hate what you make, no matter what. Like no matter what, that is a there's going to be like a big red sign that says stop, and that's like what you're like. I, I I think I described the the process where every time I sat down to write these, it was like no, stop. This is bad. You're writing something that sucks and is embarrassing and people are going to hate it. And like, no, that's just going to show up no matter what. It starts to become background noise the more you, the more you work with it. So, I mean, my main advice, I guess, would be not to get hung up on the outcome. Get, get focused on the, on the moment that you're making and get ready to shoot down your doubt like a little whack-a-mole game it's just totally. your doubt is gonna i like i know one person who doesn't have that but 99.9 percent of humanity 99 percent of artists are having that voice that says stop and they're making it anyway and i think that's just like the the thing that differs one artist from another can someone who's really making things for someone who's not it's like they both have that voice. One person is choosing not to listen to it. Totally. That's creativity really is I'm out on the edge of knowing. I'm out just somewhere on that border of I got this and holy shit, what am I doing? I am way past my capabilities and everything. You know, I worked with a guy, you know, he was on a series for 10 years and he was just like, oh, and then he's not getting work and he's not getting work. And he's like, oh my God, maybe I just know how to play that one character. Maybe I'm a terrible actor. You mm. know, this, this whole thing is to this kind of reminder of, 
yeah, make it and show up and do it. And wherever it comes along in, in your journey, I guess I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do definitely want to be clear that I do have imposter syndrome. (laughs) And it is, I don't have the thing where I'm like, no one, I'll never make a book again. I, I, I think that there's different extremes of it. And I think there's, there's something, and maybe this is like, you can speak to this as coming from, from the film world, but I, I would imagine that the way that unless you're a very successful indie filmmaker, you are subject to what the money wants and only you only get to make your art when the money wants to let you make it. And yeah. I, I feel like that I, I, I could imagine feeling so disempowered in that situation. Luckily, I have a spiritual practice that gets me to look at things from a much farther perspective and says, wait, happiness doesn't, is, doesn't, it's not in the external. It's not in the achievements because you have gotten certain things that you've wanted. Look, I've gotten a lot of my needs met. Most of my needs are met. You know, the only thing that's standing in my way in my whole life is myself. I'm standing in my own way. Nobody's standing in my way. Yes, there's some bigger things and factors that we, can, we can't do anything about. But there's a lot of things that I can, you know, in terms of just the way I think about myself in the world and how I orient myself in the world. So having a spiritual practice allows me to sort of peel myself out of believing that I'm a certain way. And buying into that this is inherently who I am. This person who didn't make it, that's why, because of this and this and that. So getting up and meditating and creating those feelings that I like, that I feel are connected for me, that are connected to the qualities of a higher being, of a divine being, are things I meditate on. And say, well, you know, let me hold that feeling. Why do I need to wait until something happens for me to have that feeling? There's so much, I think, of the artist trap is I am validated by the outside or I'm validated by the completion of it as opposed to I'm daily validated by my love of the work and showing up and doing the work on a regular basis. Mm. and honor yourself, your creativity, honor that you are a hero on a journey. And in an, every movie that you've watched, those long, terrible years in the desert are abbreviated into a montage. So we're like, I should get through this as fast as a montage. And the reality is no, you don't get to go through it as fast as a montage. You actually have to experience it because if we had to watch that part of the movie, that would be the whole movie. Right, the hero section is literally just a few minutes. <laughs> everything else is really everything else. <laughs> and the part of struggle is like that's the that's the lifetime. 